epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann is in New Jersey. John Hartzell behind the glass is always making it work. Busy weekend for the first weekend of December around the NBA. But before we uh, get into another edition of John Schumann's Power Rankings, which are live on NBA.com, we got to talk about a little breaking news, Shu. Fred Hoiberg, Chicago Bulls coach, has been relieved of his duties as of this morning and replaced by Jim Boylan, who will take over as the interim head coach. Hoiberg's the second coach fired this season, Shu, but I almost feel like he's been fired before. Like this, <laughs> like he's been fired in spirit for quite some time. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to make light of it. I mean, I hate to see anybody lose a job, obviously. But both of the coaches who have been fired this season have been let go from the Central Division, Toronto, six games in with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But the Bulls are at 5-19, and 19, the third worst record in the NBA. Hoiberg was a cool 40 games under 500 in over three-plus seasons in Chicago. Before I get into a deeper take about coaching and just knowing when to say when, does it strike you as fair that, you know, that Hoiberg was given enough time maybe and there's been no discernible uptick in the performance of his overall group that it was time for him to go? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the Bulls and I – when you look at their roster, the first thing you think of is, okay, developing the front line of Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr., right, along with, you know, the, uh, to a lesser extent, the backcourt of, of Chris Dunn and, and Zach Levine. Well, Chris Dunn's been out for a while, and Lowry Markkinen just made his season debut on Saturday. Right. And, you know, my first thought is, man, the Bulls – you know, front office must have really hated those 15 minutes that Mark and, and, and Wendell Carter have, have played together. I mean, because the, the, those are two, your two building with like a really promising front line. Yeah. And they've played 15 minutes together. And it was Saturday, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden, Hoiberg is fired. So it's not like he got to use, you know, see his group together. And then Dunn, like I said, Dunn's been out for a while. Markkinen just made his debut. Denzel Valentine's been out for the whole season, and I think is going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so they've been banged up. The one thing I will say is that you know Hoiberg came in with as a reputation with the reputation of being an offensive coach, and the Bulls' two highest payer, paid players have been healthy this season: Levine and Parker. And Parker, yeah. And those are two offense only players uh let's be honest and the bulls ranked 29th offensively 
and they were the only team in the month of November to score less than a point per possession over the course of the month. Right. So even when you take in the injuries, take the injuries into account, um, I do think the offense has been a disappointment. But I mean, it's it's another case of like what I would love to know exactly what the front office is thinking when they're making this decision, and what is it. What were the you know reasons one, two, and three why they did this specifically? Because it's a little head scratching just because of you know nobody out. I don't think anybody outside the organization expected them to be um, much better than where they are, especially when you consider uh, Markin's injury. Usually, when you make a change, there's been an internal signal of some sort that this guy can't be our coach anymore, or this guy has lost the locker room, or you know. This guy can't reach the star players we have to get us to play to our best potential. I mean, there's usually something internally that 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 goes wrong. He never got Levine and and Parker to play defense. You know, like he right. never got consistent effort from them on that. You could say that. I guess that's a valid complaint. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the bigger question, shoe, and this applies to all struggling teams in the NBA, and really. Across all sports. I mean, we saw the Green Bay Packers fired their coach before everybody could shower after they lost Sunday. You know, Mike McCarthy got his walking papers. Uh, was it during the press conference, before he went out and did his post-game press conference? That, to me, that, there has to be something. Team? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a football team. Um, to me, it has to be something drastic for an organization to make that change in the midst of a season. I don't care if it's at the beginning, the middle the end, whatever. If you're willing to fire a coach before he's even had the completion of a season, that says there's been a red flag somewhere. Someone, you know, something has happened. Someone has seen something, usually a decision maker, the GM, the owner, the star player, in some cases, I would imagine. Something has happened to lead you to believe that you can go no further with this individual as your head coach I don't know if I even want to speculate what it might be or if it might be a the culmination of a bunch of things with Hoiberg but it leads me to that bigger point when does a team know when to make that move like I don't I don't understand you know if you're Scott Brooks and you're struggling in Washington the way you are or if all the noise we hear about Dave Yeager in Sacramento is you know is legit like how do you if you're the organization, how do you know when it's time to cut bait and try something else or to go with somebody else? It's a great question. I mean, I always, uh, I mean, I remember when our guy Griff fired David Blatt and I was thinking, you know, it, I thought Blatt was in under tough circumstances and I thought it wasn't necessarily fair to him mm-hmm. um, to lose his job at that point, but it turned out to be a, a great move, you know, and, and Ty Lu, his ability to, to get that team and connect with that team um, was instrumental in them winning a championship. It's tough to evaluate now. So we're going to have to see, you know, what happens with the bulls over the next four months, basically to understand maybe where this team was lacking though, you know, the addition, the the return of marketing is going to sort of throw things. If he comes back and plays as well as they think. Yeah. One thing I'll be curious is, Early in the season, they were playing Cristiano Felicio over Robin Lopez, which mm. was maybe the most silliest rotation <laughs> thing I've ever seen because Lopez is much, much, much better player. 
Right. But Felicio's got two more years on his deal after this one. And when I saw that and Lopez wasn't playing, I thought, first of all, okay, you're not really playing to win because Lopez gives you a better shot to win. Obviously, they're starting Wendell Carter over both of those guys, and that's about development. Yes. But then the last few weeks, Lopez has now uh, replaced Felicio as the backup center. And I think that and that maybe is a coaching decision to play to win. So I'm curious as to now, going forward, does Felicio go back to playing those backup center minutes under the direction of the front office, who is probably looking to somewhat justify that ridiculous contract that they gave him? Um, sure. So that's just a, a little minor thing that I'm just curious to see and might give us a clue as to maybe one of the issues with Hoiberg. Right. And teams often find themselves in a position where a coach's ambitions and what he's trying to get done are in direct contrast with what the organization is trying to do in terms of developing talent long term, prioritizing vets over young guys in the coach's cases very often. But I, I, the other part about this that really makes me wonder now and scratch my head is you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and the drama they've endured, and now that Jimmy Butler's gone, they're, they're a game under 500 in the Western Conference, and nobody's calling for Tom Thibodeau's head anymore. Nobody is screaming about Tibbs not being able to coach that team or being you know not being a good fit in Minnesota. And I'm wondering, man, did, did, was it worth it the deterioration of the relationship between Tibbs and that front office in Chicago and the way they got rid of him and what you could have done with a coach of his caliber with a team like the Bulls. I mean, you know, all those, to me, all those questions come into play now when you make this decision with Hoiberg because Hoiberg was the hand-picked choice of that front office. When they went away from Tibbs, they went out and found a guy who they d- decided this is the guy we need going forward. He came from the college ranks, and he's the guy that they said, hey, this we need a, a coach who can connect with our young guys, de- develop them you know, as players in this league, and put us in the best position to compete. And I'm thinking all of the decisions they've made since letting Tibbs go now come into question. The, the contract for Jabari Parker, which I didn't mind as much as some other people did. You know, now I'm looking at it and wondering how much of the ownership should fall on on the front office's shoulders. Oh, uh, I think a big one. I mean, and I think, you know, you see the Wolves turning things around with a personnel change. Instead of changing the coach, they changed the personnel. Obviously, that was a unique situation with with one guy not wanting to be there and turn things around. And, and they've been playing much better over the last few weeks. And I, I, I would... When I looked at the Bulls prior to today, I would have looked at the personnel more than the the coaching. And you start with one lack of a point guard uh, beyond Chris Dunn, who's not necessarily a starting point guard in the first place. Two, the you know the two highest paid guys being uh, non defenders. Three, you know the injuries that they've had. Um, and so, who knows if this is the right decision? If there, or if there's somebody out better out there to uh, or more qualified to make this team uh, better on both ends of the floor, Jim Boylan will get a chance, but I'm always curious is when uh, a coach gets fired is, okay, well, what's your solution or who do you think is going to be better than what this guy has been doing? Yeah. And I, and I admit, I readily admit that a lot of times when I disagree with the, a coaching change and then I come back and see what that team looks like after the change has been made, I, 
I've been wrong. I thought the Grizzlies made a huge mistake getting rid of David Fisdale when they did. And then now look up this season with J.B. Bickerstaff in charge, and maybe they were right. Maybe whatever disconnect there was between Fisdale and, and the powers that be in Memphis, the right choice was to make a change. I'll, I'll make another case. Like in Milwaukee, I always thought the, yeah. the uh, distaste for Jason Kidd was a little overblown uh, mm-hmm. last year. I mean, the, I, I know there was a lot of uh, vitriol towards Kidd in that fan base before, until he was fired. And obviously they had to wait uh, half a season before they got the right coach for the job. But it's clear now that a coaching change can make a huge difference. Um, you know, the, the the difference there is that Mike Budenholzer has – had an off season to and uh, and, a, and a training camp to to get his guys ready. Um, and I don't think the Bulls have any expectations of really turning this thing around in a major way this season. Right. But I guess doing this now allows them to start preparing for making a permanent decision in the summer. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the Chicago Bulls, by the way. This is about as much talk as we've given them <laughs> on the Hang Time Podcast this season. It might be the most talk they end up getting all season here on the Hang Time Podcast. But the the firing of Fred Hoiberg today just got me to thinking about the value of coaching in this league shoe. And it's something we'll maybe address later in the season, depending on how many more changes are made. But I'm starting to wonder, in this day and age where owners can look at the analytics of their team and, and start questioning this, that, and the other, and not that they haven't always questioned their coaches or you know, held their coach's feet to the fire. But it's it's interesting what what you value as an organization and your coach, whether or not a guy can manage a roster and manage the locker room or whether or not he can get guys to play, you know, a certain way or to a certain level in spite of whatever issues there might be, you know, outstanding. It's just a very interesting and delicate thing to to – you know, know exactly what kind of impact the coach has on a team, how to gauge that impact and and what value you place on it as an organization. So we'll see. We'll see where things go with the Bulls and, and certainly with, you know, with some of those other guys I mentioned. You know, I, I always have this feeling, Shu, that once, you, once a, a coach gets fired and once a big trade goes down, that basically opens the door for anybody else who's contemplating doing something to do it. So I won't be surprised if we see some more changes between now and Christmas and and certainly after Christmas when teams have gotten a chance to really take stock of who and what they are, who makes changes between then and All-Star weekend or the trade deadline or what have you. So it's I would I would suggest that we are not we're not done talking about coaching changes in this league this season because when we have those off seasons when there isn't a ton of turnover it seems like we always have a boomerang effect and the season ends up having quite a few changes or, you know, at least teams thinking about it and, and discussing it. Week 8 Power Rankings are out on NBA.com, authored by none other than my man John Schumann. Raptors, Nuggets, Clippers, Bucks, Thunder make up the top five this week. But the Celtics, shoe. Uh, the biggest risers, seven spots up. What's changed for the Celtics to to get them moving in that direction? The Celtics have discovered their offense. The last three games have been three of their four best offensive games of the season. 
you know, the defenses haven't been great. The best defense that they faced in that little stretch is, is the Wolves defense, which ranks, I think, 17th, and but has been much improved, as we've talked about, since the uh, Butler trade. It's interesting. You know, uh, Jalen Brown missed, has missed the last three games, and Marcus Smart went into the starting lineup. He hasn't scored a ton of points, but he in that three-game stretch, he has 15 assists and just one turnover. Irving had a couple big games, and then Gordon Hayward had a huge game the other night, 30 points and six assists, I believe. He got to the line 10 times in that game, which I think is is maybe the most encouraging aspect of it because, one, free throws have been such an issue for the Celtics as a whole, and two, because you know him getting to the line shows a little bit of, of confidence in his ability to drive and into traffic and, and et cetera. So they finally found some offense, and it, it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Obviously, they've been terrific defensively, but you know when it, them scoring at a, a top 10 level obviously makes them an elite team overall and, and basically what we've expected, uh, what we expected from them from day one. So, uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, when, when Jalen Brown comes back, what, what does uh, Brad Stevens do with the lineup? I think Hayward is getting comfortable off the bench, but uh, does Smart stay in the starting lineup? That'll be um, kind of fascinating to see. I don't know if they've done it long enough for me to believe that they're done tinkering. You know, sometimes a temporary fix is one thing, whether or not you found kind of that permanent, elixir for whatever was ailing your team, we won't know until later. Um, I do know this, Oshu, and you're not the most subtle individual on, on the planet. I mean, if anybody reads your tweets, they know that you have a, a penchant for smacking people over the head with uh, information. Uh, what are you talking about now? You, you, you tried to slip this in on power rankings this week, and I don't know if people get it or even understand your connection to R&B music from – the 80s and 90s. Um, but your teams of the week. This has been there the whole year, my friend. I know. You were, I know. You were just maybe no- noticing it now. No, I just I just enjoyed it today because I love Keith Sweat. And, <laughs> and you went with Make It Last Forever for Denver. <laughs> and then something just ain't right with Phoenix. Those have, those have been there for, since the beginning of the season. Right. I'm saying what what uh, what inspired these two teams? I mean, I'm reading the, what you put here, but why, why are you picking on my sons? You know they got Devin Booker, the finest player from Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the league today. I mean, is it really as bad as it looks for the well, Suns right now? Well, the whole Devin Booker at point guard thing hasn't looked so bad. The problem is now that Devin Booker's hurt. Um, he missed yeah. a game with a toe. In, he missed a game with a toe injury uh, last week, and then he hurt his hamstring against the Lakers on Sunday. Yeah, um, and I'm wondering if the Suns jumped the gun by waving Isaiah Canaan earlier in the week because now they're left with is it Eli Akobo as their as basically mm-hmm. their only point guard uh, if if Booker uh, is going to be out for a little bit with this hamstring issue, which is a recurrence of a issue he had earlier in the season. So. Um, their offense has been awful when Booker hasn't been on the floor. Um, and if he's, you know, they're four and 19 right now, they're the only team in the West that has no shot and, uh, things don't look so good. So, um, I, I, you know, I think that's probably enough to talk about with the, (laughs) (laughs) with the Suns. but it's kind of disappointing, you know, like the one thing you'd like to see is, is this Booker at point guard experiment with Mikhail Bridges and uh, DeAndre Ayton you know, alongside for the ride. And if, if Booker is hurt, that sort of takes away a lot of the yes. fun. Yes. No, I just, 
just appreciate that sometimes. I don't know if everybody has a has an eye for your my Keith Sweat references. Yes, uh, just your clever nature of uh, incorporating <laughs> two of your passions. Um, you know, I don't know if people know about your your love for R and B music. Well, Keith Sweat is, is by far the the best. Um, has the best catalog for um, singing in the car. I don't know what it is with the, <laughs> it's, I think it's a combination of the songs and also his voice because his uh, voice is fun to, to sing. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he has the best catalog for outright begging uh, <laughs> in his songs, but that too. yeah, he, he's certainly a role model for some of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other team that I've been fascinated by, like a lot of people shoe, the Los Angeles Lakers. Have you changed your mind on what their ceiling is this season now that we're here in December and have seen enough of maybe of LeBron and this group to understand what they are? It's a good question because they've done really well. I mean, they've, they're looking at it now. They are four, seven, ten, and three with, with Tyson Chandler. They have the number two defense uh, over those 13 games and Chandler was huge in their last three games because they got off to a couple ugly starts and then he comes in the game and things turn around quite a bit. It's interesting. I, I still like the, the schedule hasn't been tough. Like they haven't played, you know, I'm um, looking at that 10 and three stretch. They have a win over the wolves when they were still bad. They have a win over the blazers who have struggled quite a bit uh, recently. A win over the jazz who still not found, found it at the Pacers without Victor Oladipo. Uh, they beat the Mavs. It sort of ended the Mavs' uh, uh, strong run, their J- the Mavs' J.J. Brea winning streak that we've talked about um, <laughs> this weekend. So the, the, the strength of schedule hasn't been all that strong, and, and you know, it's been home-heavy the last uh, five or six games. Um, so I still have – I'm still – you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm slowly, slowly gaining some, some confidence in this team to win games. It's funny, like I said, they rank second defensively over that stretch, but you still see you you'll watch and you still see some just awful defensive possessions from this team. But like I said, Chandler makes things better, and I'm still curious about the the LeBron Brandon Ingram chemistry because if you look at the numbers, they've been much better with only one of those two guys on the floor than they have been with with both of them on the floor, and that sort of coincides with the Chandler minutes coming off the bench. So. Um, I still think there is uh, – they have to prove a little bit more to me personally. Um, I don't know what you've seen from them. You know, I don't know, Shu. I'm I, I'm so hesitant to buy in on some of these teams. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I really like what I've seen from Lonzo Ball. Yeah. He, he's improved to me in in different ways that I wasn't expecting him to be better. Like I, I thought he had a pretty good – floor game and court awareness. I thought his shooting and offense would be the place where he needed to make the biggest gain in order to, you know, be better this season. But it, it turns out, you know what, he, there's a chance he's just not going to be a, uh, an exceptional offensive player anytime soon in his career. But he does so many other things I like playing alongside LeBron and some of those other guys that I, I feel better. I feel good about where his – his career is headed with the Lakers. You know what I've said from the start, and I'm going to keep saying it until somebody makes me believe there's a better alternative. They got to trade Brandon Ingram. 
Like you have to use Brandon Ingram to me if you're the Lakers. To try to get another star. Yes, and to find a better fit. So, you know, a guy that doesn't rise or fall based on, you know, with Le- you know, in, in contrast to LeBron. Like I think I think Kuzma is the guy that the Lakers hope Brandon Ingram is going to be playing with LeBron. I really do. And I don't I don't care about draft position or profile or reputation, all that stuff. My thing is once you get in the league, no matter how you got into the league, the franchise has to adjust to what your existence is, not to what your profile is. Well, I mean, they were they were willing to, and they were willing to trade D'Angelo Russell after two years. And yes, he was a number number two pick as well. So, and I almost feel like they don't want to trade Ingram, is you know, because they don't want to seem like they're turning over those high draft picks time and again. But LeBron, LeBron changes your math. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they still give it some time, a little bit, um, with with Ingram and LeBron. But yeah, then the question is is when's the best time to make a deal? Is it yeah. Is it during the season or is it in the summer, you know, when, when teams right. are, are shopping? See, I think if you can get through this season, get into the playoffs, make a little noise with Ingram, you'll have had an entire season of he and LeBron and Kuzma and all this group to make a sound evaluation of what you should do. The question is, does does his value go up or down in that Exactly, time? exactly. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's the, that's the issue. They have – it could go great. He could he could end up being really productive, and you say, "Man, his values is you know really high." Or it goes sideways, and and teams maybe aren't as enamored with him because they've seen what he looks like alongside the best player in the league. Yeah, they have an interesting week uh, this week. They have a home and home with the Spurs Wednesday and Friday, and then visit Memphis uh, Saturday. Um, the Spurs are sort of teetering on the brink of it, becoming clear that they're not a playoff team. Right. Um, although they got a, a, an important win Sunday. Uh, Too bad they can't play Portland all against the Portland. <laughs> I'm worried about the Trailblazers, by the way. I am very concerned. Yeah, their defense has been really bad. As yes. they, they're, they're, uh, they've won or they've lost seven of the last ten, and they rank last defensively over that right. stretch. So um, that is a problem. Uh, the Spurs, I don't, although I don't think the Spurs are going to ever shoot 11 for 17 from <laughs> like they did last night. Yeah, that was nice. But – Spurs have fallen to 29th on defense, by the way. After they were like up to like 14th just a couple of weeks ago, and they've yeah, been shocking. shocking. But uh, I think a lot of it depends on shooting. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's it's your personnel. Like even in a system, yeah, that's that's been foolproof for all these years. The Spurs don't have Danny Green's gone. Kawhi's gone. You know, like some of the guys who were staples for them. Yep, you know, and yep. certainly helped their defense are no longer there. Yeah, we brought. We, I mean, we talked about that at the yeah. beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. Green, Green, um, Green and, and Anderson, particularly from the two exactly. from, from last year's roster, and exactly and, and Murray. Shoot, Murray. yeah, exactly. Not having Dejounte Murray makes a huge difference. I'm gonna tell you a team. We're ta- since we're talking about teams, we feel good or you know or, or concerned about. Man, I feel good about the Sixers right now. <laughs> uh, they're they're rocking. I think Joel Embiid shoved his way right into the mix at the top of. Uh, the MVP chase, which was reflected in last week's key race to the MVP ladder, which will continue to be reflected as as long as they're winning the way they are. They've won eight of their last nine. The Jimmy Butler trade that we were all demanding be made sooner rather than later has turned out fantastic for them. Are you willing to buy in on the Sixers challenging Toronto and Boston as the best team in the East? 
Yeah, I think not so. Now, but I mean, eventually. I mean, I think so. And they do. I mean, they do play at Toronto uh, this week, where they got killed uh, earlier in the season. So that'll mm-hmm. be um, that'll be a fun fun matchup. I think that's Wednesday. I will say this: they lost their first game with Butler, right, in Orlando, and then they're eight and one since then. The mm-hmm. first five of those wins were all within five points in the last five minutes. Actually, we're all within three three points in the last minute. Um, and Butler, you know, hit those two huge shots in in uh, against Charlotte and Brooklyn, um, and so he showed his value in, in the clutch. But easy wins are, are more convincing to me than than wins in the clutch. Mm. Um, and they finally got a couple of those uh, last week. They beat the Knicks and Wizards pretty easily last week before uh, things got a little interesting late against the Grizzlies on Sunday. Right. So I, I think that's that's important to finally sort of find their stride a little bit and get some 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 big wins. But they have they play at Toronto and they play at Detroit and Detroit's been playing well too of late. So I think uh, this will be a fun week to, to watch the Sixers actually. Yeah. All right. That's that I'm down to one last bone to pick with you and the rest of the sports world. You just said something that really has boiled my skin the past few days. And it, it has to do with winning and losing in the margin. Um, <laughs> we see how important it is in something like the college football rankings where you lose big and it, it costs you more than anything. Never mind how many tough games you might have pulled out. Um, then I look at the NBA and everybody looks at the margin, you know, what, you know, what your differential is. And are you winning – somehow winning big means that you're more legit than if you were to, say, pull out a bunch of games that are within four or five points. And I'm – I don't know if it's just me being an old-school get-off-my-lawn type cat or – thinking back to when you're competing and winning and trying to win no matter what at all costs. Why, why are we so quick to assume that big wins or winning by a big number is more legitimate than if you're say a team that, that finds a way to win close games? Like why, why have we become stuck on that as a, as a culture, as a sports culture to, to value winning huge over winning maybe, under adverse conditions. I mean, because it means you had a more complete game. I mean, wouldn't you or, rather, or, or maybe wouldn't the other you rather play done. well for forty-eight minutes than 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 play okay for for thirty-six and then and then just pick up? You know, like I mean, no, I'm saying because I I would rather say the other team is at their best, I'm at my best, and it's a close game. I would rather win those sorts of games than win blowouts when maybe we're cooking and the other team just doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Well, sure. Of uh, a, a close win over over uh, the Raptors now, over yeah. the Raptors right now would mean more than their twenty whatever point win over the Knicks, right? Yeah. Sure. Yes. But like, if you're talking about you know beating the Knicks by twenty, and also and then needing Jimmy Butler to hit a three to beat the Nets by two, I'll take you know give me the the easy win over the Knicks. It's a more complete game, and and yeah, obviously quality of opponent is is more important than you know margin of victory i guess in my mind but margin of victory is is still important when you're talking when you're when it's apples to apples in regard to uh the quality of the opponent right you notice has nothing to do with basketball i'm just belly aching because my my football team got blown out in columbus and didn't get a chance to even be in the discussion for the college football playoff which i was planning on but there's a silver lining shoe the michigan wolverines will be in atlanta on December 29th at high noon 
playing the Florida Gators in the Peach Bowl. So I win either way. I'm going to get a chance to see my boys at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 72 degrees. They can open the roof. They can keep it clear. I don't care. I get to watch Michigan play a bowl game, um, and it's 20 minutes from the house, so I'm feeling good. How many straight uh, bowl games is that for Michigan? Yeah, we we had a little hiccup uh, with the Rich Rodriguez Brady Hill era. We were we were cooking for like thirty some thirty four straight years, and then we had a couple of dopey coaches, as we were talking about coaches earlier in the show here, um, that ruined our streak. I saw you. You're, yeah, who has the who has the longest uh, active yeah, active uh, bowl streak in the nation right now? Well, we I mean you had to beat Old Dominion or somebody to make it, right? Didn't no, you? I think we we lost to Old Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> we had to no. res- we had to uh, add a game to our schedule. <laughs> no, congrats to your Hokies. Um, was it twenty six straight years now? Yeah, ever since my freshman year, I started the streak. You know, I, I yeah, it's all about nothing, it's all about nothing to do with the full football program, but. <laughs> Streak started when I when I walked on campus. Exactly, so. it's all about the Schumann effect, baby. To get get your credit, be sure to to check out John Schumann's full power rankings at nba.com/slash/powerrankings. Every Monday, they're updated. Very interesting stuff on there. Um, read through the entire page. Don't ju- don't read the entire file. Don't just look at the top five teams or you know cherry pick your favorite team. There are nuggets throughout. You don't want to miss them. Um, I'll say this as a one little reminder. The, the goal with them is, is it for it to be a notebook. And the goal is yes. if you're a, a uh, Sixers fan and you've watched every Sixers game that they've played this season, that you can go here and, and still learn something about your team or still find uh, a little yeah. note or nugget uh, that you didn't necessarily uh, – you weren't necessarily aware of. No, it's it's, great it's, impo- stuff. it's impossible to do that for all thirty teams, all twenty six weeks. But that's right. The, that's the sort of goal. That's the goal. That's what you want. That's what you want. Um, to be informed, entertained, and be reminded of your favorite R and B music from a bygone era. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode of the Hangtime Podcast. We'll deep dive another team this week. Won't tell you who, but uh, it'll be a team we've probably talked about a lot here on the show throughout the course of the season so far. So make sure you tune in to check that out. Be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. From my man, John Schumann, and our producer, John Hartzell, this is Seku Smith. We'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.